Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for November 13th, 2016. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jack Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon today is entitled, On the Corner of Ruin and Grace. Some Sundays are harder for emotional preachers than others, and this feels like one of those Sundays to me. You know, there's a lot of raw tension in the air, and some folks are gloating and others are grieving, and wherever you find yourself on the spectrum, and we have a broad spectrum, and I have really come to appreciate that about this church, um, it's a challenge to stand before you and preach. because we are diverse, and I'm grateful for that. I'm sensitive about that. This morning, as we were setting up in here, I went to our banner closet, and I pulled out some banners that I thought we'd put down here to decorate the table. I thought, oh, these blue and white striped banners will be so nice. And then I thought, oh, blue and white. I can't, I can't do blue and white. You see, I'm sensitive. I really am. I really am. Um, Early in the week, when I've preached, I sit down at my desk, and I go through my sermon, and I make any edits, and I print it and put copies in the narthex, and I file it away, and in my sermon file that now has 600 files, about 800 sermons that Amy and I have preached for you, I categorize those sermons, six categories, a schema that my friend, the late Dr. William Hull, developed. Um, The sermons are either about worship or outreach or nurture or mission or administration And some of them are about pastoral care. And that's what today's sermon is about. Because some of you are hurting, and there's some people across this country that are hurting, and I'm trying to speak to that hurt today. To those of you who are hurting and to those of you who don't understand that hurt, I'm trying to speak to you about that. So I hope that you will believe me when I say that's what today's sermon is about. That and nothing more. Down on the corner of ruin and grace, I'm growing weary of the human race. Hold my lamp up in everyone's face, looking for an honest man. Everyone tied to the turning wheel, everyone hiding from the things they feel. Well, the truth's so hard it just don't seem real, the shadow across this land. People around here don't know what it means to suffer at the hands of our American dreams. They turn their backs on the grisly scenes traced to the privileged sons. They got their God, they got their guns, they got their armies and their chosen ones, but we'll all be burning in the same big sun when the great correction comes. Down through the ages, lovers of the mystery been saying, people, let your love light shine. Poets and sages all throughout history say the love burns brightest in the darkest times. It's the bitter end we've come down to, the eye of the needle that we've got to get through. But the end could be the start of something new when the great correction comes. 
I don't know where this train's bound, but a lot of people trying to turn it around, going to shout till the walls come tumbling down and the great correction comes. Don't let me down when the great correction comes. Well, I'm neither a political junkie nor a news hound, and I'm not the most astute observer of history, past or present, but I have never known the kind of apocalyptic angst that has followed this presidential campaign. When I saw that text that was chosen for us today through the lectionary, that text of apocalyptic fear and wars and rumors of wars and anxiety among the people, I thought, wow, once again, so appropriate. It's been present for months in the exaggerated words of candidates and pundits alike, and we have felt it palpably since about midnight on Tuesday. It has felt to me a little bit like much of the nation was joining in unison with Eliza Gilkison when she sings, it's the bitter end we've come down to, the eye of the needle we got to go through. But the end could be the start of something new when the great correction comes. Amy and I have now been the pastors of an American church through five presidential elections and we have never seen anything like this. There will always be some Wednesday morning heartache because someone's political party is always going to lose, but we have never had people reach out to us for what would have to be called pastoral counseling just because their candidate ended up with less than 270 electoral votes. But we spent much of Wednesday talking on Facebook and returning emails and text messages one woman stopped by my office and needed to talk. She was wiping tears. A gay member of our congregation wrote, I am afraid for my life. I'm afraid my marriage will be nullified. I will lose my benefits. My insurance will be denied. Now, many people will hear these concerns just as the sour grapes of the, of the sore losers. Exaggerated hysterics falling out from an ugly, exaggerated campaign. Some people will just be stupefied that anyone could let their emotions get so wildly out of touch, and others will be angry just at such foolish antics. Around the country, those same responses will be given to all those irresponsible protesters who have probably been prompted by professional trained criers, you know, have trouble, will travel. And some partisans will speculate that this nationwide outcry has all been orchestrated by the loser. Yes, I know what some people will say because I've already heard some people saying it. But I also believe from my experience as a pastor, from being a seasoned observer of the human psyche, a reader of the hearts of fellow strugglers, these friends who have reached out to their pastors were not lost in exaggerated histrionics. And I believe that dismissing the protests of large groups of fellow citizens, brothers and sisters under a just God, not only imperils our own spirits, by a lack of concern and compassion, but also threatens just to kick the can of legitimate discontent down the road where it never goes away. 
but grows and festers and always returns in some future manifestation, bigger, meaner, more destructive than before. The pain we have heard and seen on some faces, the fears that have been expressed, well, these are not unique to Amy's and my experience. All day long yesterday, the pastors in my Saturday night sermon writing club, my pastoral colleagues, shared similar stories around the country. And we wondered together how we would stand and preach to similarly diverse and partially shell-shocked congregations this day. And Amy has heard more of that same from her group of pastoral colleagues. I exchanged messages yesterday with my close friend from Birmingham and that medical doctor and student of history who is much brighter than I was of the opinion that most of Trump's overstated claims and aims will go quickly by the wayside, becoming more broken promises from another broken politician as the outsider quickly becomes the insider. All that can bring unity to a nation, he suggested, is not talk, but economic success or war. Well, neither of us wanted even to entertain what kind of war it would take to bring our bitterly divided nation together. And I joined my friend in hoping, praying, that the new ideas of a new president will be newly met with support from the other leaders of our nation and that those ideas will yield, will yield prosperity for the dwindling middle class and the burgeoning, struggling lower class across this country. Shame on those who have hoped and will hope for any president of this country to fail. I don't like to think of what the protests that are, I don't like to think of the protests that are before us if we cannot succeed. But I disagree with my friend in somewhat easily dismissing all the discontent on the streets. All the words. Words matter. There is a reason it's illegal to shout fire in a theater. Our president-elect has been irresponsible with his use of words, sowing discord and demeaning his fellow human beings with loud, angry, powerful language. This has been disappointing to witness and the protests across the nation and the fears that have been shared much closer to home make it clear that such leadership, if you can even call it that, is dangerous and destructive. Last night, my friend Dr. Jim Somerville, one of that group of colleagues who preaches to a much more conservative church than I, shared with our colleagues a few of the words that he will speak this morning in Richmond, Virginia. He will tell his people about getting his staff together last Wednesday morning to say to them, it doesn't matter for whom you voted. What matters is how you answer the church telephone today and how we treat one another in this family of faith. And then Jim said, he will say, and then looking at my staff, I took a deep breath and I said, it probably won't surprise you to find that I did not vote for Donald Trump. But let me tell you why. Inscribed on our pulpit are these words from the Gospel of Luke. Be compassionate 
as your Father is compassionate. Every time I stand in the pulpit, it reminds me of what matters most. I did not vote for Donald Trump because even though I have looked closely, I have seen no evidence that he looks on the suffering of others and feels with them and wants to do something about it. But I am praying for Donald. I'm asking God to break his heart with compassion for all the people he has been elected to serve. Words matter. And compassion is essential for good leadership. Our nation is divided. So far, our leaders' words have only heightened that divide. White nationalists and other hate groups have taken some of his words as a cause to mobilize. The KKK is purportedly planning a Trump victory celebration in North Carolina this month. Around the country, racially motivated attacks of black students have been reported in high schools. Mosques have been vandalized. The head coverings of Muslim women have been yanked off. Girls and women have been groped publicly. Latinos have been targeted. All those reported incidents by people claiming justification by associating with the words and the actions of Donald Trump. Down on the corner of ruin and grace, we need to pray. We are gathered on that corner today. And we need to pray for an evident spirit of compassion, an evident spirit of compassion in the heart and the action and the words of our new leader, of our new leaders. And we need to pray for a sense of sanity and responsibility for those misguided few who will reach for any justification for their motivations of evil. Obviously, all of Donald Trump's supporters are not wicked and just wearing a Make America Great Again t-shirt does not give you license to abuse someone. I will be praying, and I will support our new leader, but not without understanding that the emotional response coming out of this election is not hysterical, but well-founded. Compassion means feeling with. It is being sensitive to the pains of others, and, reaching, and it means reaching out, stepping in to share that pain. There are African Americans who fear only an increase of law and order in blighted black neighborhoods. What is needed is a careful engagement of complex issues given a 400-year history of racial discrimination and continued ongoing abuse. There are native-born children of undocumented laborers who will go to bed tonight fearing the deportation patrols that may soon angrily snatch away their parents and break up their families. They need to be comforted in knowing we will address the multifaceted issues of e immigration and economics and labor with justice in mercy. There are Muslim Americans who fear the recriminations of mean, bigoted people who believe everyone in their entire religion is just a radical Islamic terrorist. 
They need to be given the assurance they will be, they will be recognized for citizenship and cooperation and hard work and faith. There are gay citizens who fear their rights will be stripped away by a new Supreme Court chosen for the purpose of turning back the clock, that they will be subjected to mistreatment by again becoming second-class citizens. They need to know they will continue to experience the freedom to be who they are and to love who they love and to be affirmed for that. And there are women who are afraid their right to control their own bodies and their own destinies will be stripped, and that more men will be led by example to judge female value only on a scale of 1 to 10. Only on the scale. Based on the shape of their faces, and their waist measurements, and the size of their breasts. They need to be led by someone who can assure them their worth is not limited to their sexual value, but is based on unquestioned integrity of their personhood. I understand the emotional responses coming out of this election, because our new leader has used words to inflame and not heal. I invite you to join me this day, not just in a call for unity, not just let's all get together, y'all, you know, that's not what we need, but I invite you to join me today in praying that our leaders will come together to find actions that will heal the great wound of old divisions and new hard words. And I ask you this day to have compassion. Do not mock those who fear. Those who feel as if they are standing before that which is most sacred to them, as the Jews in ancient Jerusalem used to stand before the temple. And those who fear that the institutions, the traditions, the promises of a sacred trust are all coming down. That not one single stone will be left standing. I understand how so many people across this country feel like it's the bitter end we've come down to. But I also believe. Jesus gives me reason to hope. And I am a good enough student of history to know that we've come to this crossroads before. It's not the first time we have stood on this corner of ruin and grace. Now be sure. Standing at that intersection, the potential for ruin is very real. The stakes are high today. So an emotional feeling akin to apocalypse is understandable. But we've got to remember, especially we who are of the household of faith, we must remember that we're also standing at the corner of grace. The end could be the start of something new when the great correction comes. We've got to pray that maybe God is again about to create a new heavens and a new earth. So this day, for Donald J. Trump and for all the people of this great, beautiful, diverse, and wounded nation, may it be so.
아멘. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.